This is Novel Marketing. I'm Thomas M. Stat Jr. I'm James L. Rubart. And this is the show for novelists who want to become best-selling authors. In this episode, we are going to talk about the seven website visitors that every author needs to thrill. So I speak at writers' conferences around the country and in other countries about author websites. It's the number one topic I speak about, I think even more than social media marketing. And for a long time, I've been preaching in those talks, it's not about you, it's not about you. But then I talk about you in the talk. (laughs) And so I want to, for this episode, take a totally different approach. And instead of talking about what you need to do for your website, I want to talk about the different kinds of readers who visit your website and what you need to do to thrill those readers so that they leave happy and ideally leave with a copy of your book. So (laughs) uh, I've given these folks fictional names, and they represent thousands or millions of readers there and you may have additional kinds of people visiting but hopefully this will be helpful for you so the first uh visitor that we're going to talk about we're calling her curious kathy and you can probably tell by that name she has a lot of questions so she is coming to our websites for answers that's right. And her questions are going to be related to your book. So you nonfiction folks who've been hiding in the back, y'all can come into the room now because this, <laughs> this part's for you as well. Uh, this is easy for you because your readers are curious about your area of expertise. We had a couple of episodes back, somebody was written a book about vegetable gardening. If I am gardening, I will tell you, and I have never gardened in my life, but I have t- I attempted one time and the one plant I was supposed to take care of died. Um, but if I were to ever try it, I would have my iPhone in one hand and my spade in the other and I would be Googling how to do it. <laughs> so this is your chance as an author to be blogging que- answers to people's questions. Uh, but as a novelist, there's other kinds of questions that people are asking. They're curious about your book. They're wanting to explore. They're perhaps not ready for a big sell yet. They're They're wanting to get that question answered first. So... This is where your blog comes in. If you want to have a successful blog and you do nothing else, just do this one thing. Answer reader questions. If you've been writing for a while, you probably have a lot of questions coming in. Answer those questions. If one person had the courage to write you, there's hundreds more who probably didn't have the courage to write you. So answer their question. Remember DVDs. And and when you rent a DVD, you don't get this anymore. But when you buy the DVD, you still get the DVD extras, right? The deleted scenes and how the director came up with this and the director commentary. Well, if you love a movie, right? So for me, if I love a movie, I'm going to IMDb. I want to read about the trivia, right? So that's your content. Give us the trivia. Give us the background. Give us why you developed this compelling character. Give us the DVD, uh, I guess for lack of a better term, give us the DVD extras. Yeah, exactly. And the, that idea of DVD extras, we're going to hit several more times. Uh, so but go buy a DVD and watch the extras because that, that will be helpful for your website. Uh, some other th- ways to thrill Curious Kathy, put a contact form on your website so she can contact you easily if, and ask you a question directly because that could turn into a, a blog post. Another cool tool, and this is brand new. This came out. In fact, Amazon contacted us at My Book Table, and they wanted us to add this to My Book Table. Uh, no, well, we, we've been in communication with Amazon. It's called Kindle Instant Preview. And Kindle Instant Preview allows you to embed an interactive preview of your book on your website. And here's a really cool thing. We have now added it to my book table. So you just check a box and now people can read the first chapter of your book on your website. And it still has the affiliate integration. So for Curious Kathy, who's not ready to buy yet, you get her reading the first few pages of your novel and suddenly she wants to read the next page and the next page. And then 
she has to buy to keep going. And now she's clicking that button on that Kindle Instant Preview page <laughs> to go buy your book. Oh, no. Say it ain't so. <laughs> it, to spend money. Right. Now, now the key here is that your book has to be really good, especially at the beginning, to sell through that Instant Preview. But I, I'm assuming that yours is. And if it's not, there's another great podcast called Writing Excuses, <laughs> which will help you uh, have a excellently written book. It's by some of my very favorite authors. All right, next visitor is Book Buying Betty, right? She wants to buy your book, and she wants to also, and this is key, she wants to browse your backlist. Now, Book Buying Betty is the author, is the visitor most authors want, and it's the visitor most authors irritate because often buying your book on your website is very hard. Uh, the very first rule here is to make every book cover on your website clickable to buy your book. So I want you to imagine if you have a, book, a copy of your book cover on your website and I click on it and nothing happens, I want you to imagine a little old lady clicking on it and be like, this website's broken because <laughs> everywhere else on the internet, when you click on a book cover, it takes you to a place to buy that book or to preview the book in Amazon, but in most of the time to buy it. And if it, that's not how it works on your website, you're going to irritate book buying Betty. And we love book buying Betty. We love her. We want her to uh, make it very easy. I've always been big on the phrase of the fewer hoops you have to make people jump through, the better. Few hoops. And, and it's, it was for Book Buying Betty, actually, that we developed my book table because we wanted to put, and this is another tip, all of the buy buttons for all the different stores all in one place. You click the book cover, you go, and, and then if you want to buy at Kobo, you can buy at Kobo, and you're not making her hunt around the, the web. And it also connects all of your books onto one page and series of books, very explorable to make it very easy to explore. The other thing that Book Buying Betty is wanting is she's probably already purchased some of your past books, so she wants those DVD special features. So, Jim, which special features do you like best when you buy a DVD? You've got Lord of the Rings, the extended edition, and it's got three discs of ex uh, special features. Which ones do you are you looking for? The first one I go to just for entertainment value is I love the bloopers. Right? I love to go see the bloopers. What went wrong? What didn't happen? What didn't make the screen? Because you see, it, you feel like you're behind the scenes when you're seeing those things. You're seeing, because you fall in love with these characters, and so consequently you fall in love with the actors, and you want to see them as real people. So I love the bloopers. That'd probably be the first thing I go to. For me, it's deleted scenes. When I finished a movie, at the end of every movie, I'm a little bit sad because there's no more of that movie, and I want more because I love the movie. And I will jump through all kinds of hoops to get just a little bit more Avengers. <laughs> right. <laughs> just get right. a little bit more. Or and like Lord of the Rings. If you love Lord of the Rings when the extended versions came out, right? You're just like, yes. Oh, right? yeah. I That was a shut up and take my mo money moment. I would never – I don't know if I've ever spent $35 on a movie ever before or since but i did not blink at spending 35 dollars right. for the extended edition of the lord of the rings and then when the when the blu-ray came out i bought the extended edition again right, <laughs> I, right. I may be a bit of a fanboy here but it, it was for the you know it was Your for those extra, coming out <laughs> yeah my, my inner fame i'm a nerd for those of y'all who haven't been able to pick that up on the last 80 episodes really? yeah it, it, <laughs> it is a side effect of of my lifestyle of of computers but I really love the deleted scenes. Another thing I like is alternate endings. 
some some uh, movies will film two or three different versions of the ending and test yeah. it for audiences right. and then pick the one that's the best. I'm often yeah. curious how else it could have ended. And these are things that you could incorporate on your website. Deleted scenes, alternate endings, you, you know, put them for book buying Betty. She's wanting more. She may be very curious. And then, you know, you also on your website, you have ways for her to very easily buy your other books. And it's a uh, very, also, yeah. What are, any other special features you like? Well, I like, like I already mentioned, I love the trivia, right? Uh, and that's mostly I go that uh, I found find that on IMDb, not on the the DVD extras. But I love the trivia, and one of the things, and if you are an author that does this, then this will apply to you. If you don't, uh, no, don't worry about it. But in all my books, I have probably. Oh, anywhere from 30 to 40 Easter eggs that if you know me, you're going to go, oh, my gosh, I'm getting that. But the joke goes over everybody's uh, over everybody else's head. And so what I'm developing is and I've, I've done this. I've got trivia sheets or Easter egg sheets on all my novels, and I'm in the process of developing those. So you can go to my website and read all these little bits of trivia that you might have missed um, if you don't know me well. Uh, finally, what Book Buying Betty is looking for is she wants to know when your next book is going to come out. So you want to have a sign-up form for her to be emailed and be the first to know when your next book is coming out. You want a progress bar to show her the progress of your book. And all of those things are what Book Buying Betty is looking for. All right, Thomas, should we move on to our third visitor? Yes, we're, we're our third her. visitor is Fan. Tasia. Get what I did there? She's, she's a, okay. It's a bit <laughs> They're groaning. They're groaning. Don't worry, <laughs> listeners. I'm groaning along with you. This is Thomas Olmstead, ladies and gentlemen. He'll be here all week. Uh, please tip your waiters and waitresses. Okay. So Fantasia likes you. She is here for your celebrity. And for some of you, if you're just a beginning author, you may not have any Fantasias visiting your website yet, but you will start to get fans. And sometimes when you're first getting started, your fans are only the creepy kind, <laughs> but you'll get the good kind too eventually. And she is wanting to find out more about you. And the key with Fantasia is you want to thrill her, but you don't want to give her everything she wants. You want to keep the mystery. You want to give her a little and trickle it out. Keep giving her stuff and a trickle, but you never want to give her everything. You want to keep her mesmerized by the aura, so so to speak. And so you want to have links to your social media profiles so she can follow you on Facebook and Twitter because she actually does care and wants to follow you on Facebook and Twitter. Book Buying Betty may only follow you on Facebook to find out about new books to buy, whereas Fantasia is wanting perhaps your commentary on the news or what other books you're recommending or other kind of little tidbits here and there. Another thing you want to do is you want to respond to her. You want to respond to her directly when she pings you on social media. You want to say to her, you are important. You are important enough to respond to because what happens when you do that? Um, she tells other people, oh my gosh, I can't believe Thomas Umstead Jr. Jr. responded to me. And let me tell you a story from my own life to, to give you perspective on this. I was at a doctor's appointment the other day and I needed to re to schedule additional appointments. So I sat down in front of the gal who schedules the appointments and she goes, oh my gosh, you're not the James L. Rubart that writes books, are you? And I said, yes, yes, I am. And, and so we had a really nice conversation. At the, and at the end of the conversation, she said, can I have your permission to tell other people I, I met you? <laughs> and, and, you know, of course, I'm laughing inside going, oh, come on, it's just Jim. It's, you know, but Thomas is right. Some people will look at you that way. So my point is that now she's going to go out and tell all these other people 
about meeting me, which grows my platform. In the same way on social media, you're going to have people, and, and probably even more just in their direct circles, but they're going to go out and promote you to their friends. And as you get more fans than you can interact with, you, there's a principle that you want to do for the few what you wish you could do for the many. And you'll see really good celebrities will do this. They will interact with individual fans. And Justin Bieber will occasionally retweet or favorite someone's tweet he's huge on Twitter. He's got millions and millions of followers. And in his concerts, he'll bring one girl up on stage. So right. all of he's in, he's in a room with 10,000 girls, all of which want to marry him. And he'll pick one at random or have his people pick one at random, bring her on stage, and he'll sing a whole song to her. And she's sitting on the chair. She's crying. It's always a blubbery mess. But all the other girls are like, oh, they empathize with that one girl. And so he can't do that to all 10,000 girls. That concert would go for you know years and it would not be profitable, but he can't do it for the one. So as you scale, you still want to, you never want to become aloof. You want to keep the mystery, but you never want to become aloof. And I hope we're explaining that well. All right. Next person. Thomas, let me just jump in real quick because uh, there's another example of this, someone who I think is brilliant at doing this. So if I could tell you one celebrity to, celebrity study their marketing, that's Taylor Swift. Right? I knew you were going to talk about Taylor Swift. You are a total <laughs> Swifty You're, or whatever Taylor Swift fans call themselves. You are a fanboy. <laughs> you know you don't admit, fit the criteria. You're not exactly right, an but, adolescent you know, girl. And, and, and I, I've never actually listened to any of her music that I know of. But yes, I am. But you've been swept into the celebrity. I have. I have. I love the deal she did, the Christmas deal she did, where she shows up unannounced, right, with gifts for these five fans, right? And they just go crazy. And, and to Thomas's point, every Taylor Swift fan can picture themselves being that girl who opens the door around Christmas time and has ta the Taylor Swift standing on their porch. So uh, watch what she does and apply that principle. Great, great example. All right, number person number four is impatient Irene. And I will say, of all of these personas, this is the one I personally relate to. I, when I'm not working professionally in my job of looking at author websites, the only time I, Thomas Humstead, ever visit an author website, which is frequently, is to find out when their next dadgum book is going to come out. <laughs> which, for most authors, is the one piece of information that is nowhere on the website. And it's very frustrating. It's like, I want to give you my money. I want to give you my email address. I want current, up-to-date statistics or data or at least some sort of acknowledgement that you haven't died. You know, there's some authors, that there's questions if they're going to die or not before they finish their series <laughs> of books. And for some of the books I've read, they did die. Yeah, <laughs> Robert, Jordan Robert Jordan died. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't, he, he'd written like 12 books. And he, anyway, it's very tragic, but Brandon Sanderson totally fixed it and it was even better. So it, it all worked out in the end. But the reality is, is that Impatient Irene, for most authors, leaves their websites unhappy when she could leave thrilled. And it's not hard to make her happy. All you have to do is two things. One, put a progress bar on your website. I got this idea from Brandon Sanderson, my very favorite author in all the world, except for maybe James L. Rupart. <laughs> <laughs> and Brandon Sanderson writes a lot of books, and I've read, read all of his books, and many of them I've read multiple times. And whenever a new book comes out, I buy it, the day it comes out, and within two days, I finished it, or sometimes three days, because some of his books are like 900 pages, 
but I have friends who take off work. Literally, they schedule a day off of work. They take a vacation day when a Brandon Sanderson book comes out. And one of them, the book got delayed by Amazon and didn't show up the day he scheduled to no. take off work. <laughs> I felt so bad for him because uh, I had the book because I got the audiobook. Anyway, it was it was a sad day. But he and I both finished reading it. Brandon Sanderson has progress bars on his website, and I found myself going to his website over and over again, checking on the progress bars to see what progress he was making and, and anticipating when the books were going to come out. And I was like, why don't any authors have this? And I realized because not every author is a New York Times bestselling author and can't afford to have somebody code them a fancy progress bar. So we designed my book progress and I made it free. <laughs> so I'm like begging you authors, please put these progress bars on your website. <laughs> the plugin is free and it integrates with MailChimp. So right underneath the progress bar, there's a button that says get book updates where impatient Irene, a.k.a. Thomas Umstadt, who buys 100 books a year, will click that button and get an email when your book comes out and will buy it. Okay, rant over. I'll take a deep breath. <gasps> that was good, though. That was that was passionate. I I, I liked it. Uh, but we, as much as I liked it, we should probably move on to Reading Club Rhonda. So Reading Club, obviously, she's going to organize a book club. So she's thinking about picking your book out of all the books that are available for her book club. So Thomas, how do we get her to pick our book instead of? Brandon Sanderson's book, if that's possible. <laughs> well, so I don't know if Brandon Sanderson does this for his books, um, but you can have principle discussion questions on your website. It's a very easy thing for you to add. You, now, it's hard to write because it's hard to look at the label when you're standing inside of the bottle, as some great man once said. But if you put together discussion questions, you're making Reading Club Bronda's job a whole lot easier. So if she's tied between you and somebody else's book and you've got great discussion questions and you did her work for her and the other person didn't she's definitely going to go for your book another thing like a pro tip is it especially for nonfiction or anything religious um you could have perhaps video lessons some short video youtube videos that you put on your website that are designed to be played in a group discussion setting uh, and it doesn't have to be big and fancy and the other thing that she may be looking for is some sort of bulk ordering. She wants to be able to order 20 of your books at a discount. I've wanted to do this for authors. Um, there was another author I was really into in college, Mark Cahill, and I would buy cases of his books and hand them out to all of my friends. And there was other authors I'd want to do that for. I've always been weird about books. I'm looking back, I'm like, that's not normal college behavior. Um, but it was often very difficult to order in bulk, almost impossible. When in reality, it wasn't. I just needed to get connected with their publisher, but there was none of that connection information on their website. There was no click here to order in bulk and talk to so-and-so at such-and-such publisher. There's nothing. And that's easy for you to add. And if you do that, you will thrill Reading Club Rhonda. The last thing you can do to thrill Rhonda is offer to join the club for a visit. Now, I'm not talking in person. I'm talking via Skype. Maybe it's uh, via phone. I've done I've done that both ways. And you have to be careful with this. You can't. It can't be a blanket offer where you're going to join any book club because then you're you could fill your time only doing that. But if you set up a situation where maybe you have uh, you, you say, hey, if my schedule's open, I'd love to do something like that. Um, you can absolutely thrill them by calling in and actually talking to them. In fact, right now in my in, – and you can have fun with it. Uh, right now where I live, 
uh, a gal is taking my light, my latest book, The Five Times I Met Myself, and what we've set up, since I live here and this person is a friend, she's going to have her book club read the book, and then I'm going to show up unannounced. I'm just going to show up at the door and walk in and, and sit with them for a while. So that's the kind of thing you could do to really thrill her. And if you're going, I just don't have time to drop in on all those type of things, you can still put together, as Thomas was saying, a quick video message that's fairly generic, that they can play. Hey, thanks so much for reading my book. Here's a few bits of trivia about it, et cetera, et cetera. Even something like that will thrill them. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. Person number six is event coordinator Connie. <laughs> she is. I the- love Connie. <laughs> yes, uh, everyone loves Connie, but very few people have a page on their website for Connie. <laughs> so we're going to talk about that. She is thinking about booking you for an upcoming event. And she is looking for very specific information. And for most authors, that information is scattered or completely non-existent for their website. So she would like, um, so here's how to thrill her. List talks that you are ready to give. Now, in a perfect world, these are talks that you've already prepared and have given already. But you can't have already given a talk until you give it at least once the first time. <laughs> so you can list talks and topics and teasers. And I'll do this. I'll sometimes put together a talk or kind of have a brief outline of what I want to say. And then as people book me to speak it, I build it and build it. And and sometimes if it's a talk I'm taking on tour, I'll have a local group and I'll speak for free for them. And they're like my uh, pilot audience. In fact, a friend of mine and New York Times bestseller, uh, uh, a big-time speaker, does this. And she has a church that is like her local church, and it's like her test audience. And before she takes a, uh, it's a her tour. Beta yeah, it's, it's like her beta readers, but for her uh, her talk. And she'll prepare a whole talk, and she does the whole thing for, for them for free in exchange for them all giving her evaluations at the end. She records it, and then she uses that, and then she goes on to Around the World with her talk. And uh, she's one of the highest-paid speakers that I know. Um so, but you can just list the talks. You don't have to go through all of that. That's like the pro level stuff. At the, but the, at the beginner level, just list the talks. And now, as event coordinator Connie, if I'm scheduling an event, I know what I can book you for. Have the blurb, and it, you're making my job a lot easier. The other thing you want to do is list places you've spoken. So, the people coordinating events want to look good and they want people who are good at speaking. And so, you want to put them at ease that you are a good speaker. And one way that you do this is you provide lists of places you've spoken in the past. And the next thing is audio samples of your speaking. So if they can hear that you know how to put two sentences together, they'll be much more comfortable paying you money to come speak to their audience. <laughs> and be careful on this because it's easy to go overkill. Ooh, I really love that 20 minutes I did here or that 10 minutes I did here. They are not going to listen to 20 minutes of of they just want to hear snippets enough so that they're going to go oh this person is good and i would also suggest putting in some snippets where you do say something funny and you hear the audience reacting because then they know oh they're not just speaking into a into a microphone that that actually is a live performance he got a nice uh, crowd reaction she's getting responses from the audience that'll go a long ways but your demo tape i i mean i'm talking if it's you know if it's what would you say, Thomas? Uh, if it's over five minutes, that's that's long. For video, I'd agree. For audio, I don't mind having the full length of a talk. Right oh, there you mean on the where website. they can listen to the whole talk if right. they want to? Because they don't have to listen to the whole thing. Um, 
but if they get pulled through and they find themselves still listening after 30 minutes, you've got that gig. Mm. Okay. <laughs> um, good point. So, so that, that's, that's my perspective on it. Um, but yeah, for like video or for like a highlights reel, um, you want to keep it very short. Uh, and that's know, what I'm two, talking about. Minutes. A highlights reel where right. they can get various snippets of various talks, various energy, various, because in a, t- in speaking, and this isn't uh, a podcast on how to speak, better but you have ebbs and flows just like in music you have high points and low points soft loud and in a, a demo uh tape either audio or visual is going to give that a couple of other things event coordinator connie's looking for she's looking for a high resolution headshot that she can download and put in her print materials for you she's also looking for a speaking introduction length bio so she's wanting uh shovel ready bio text for her to read as she's introducing you and again with this I was so frustrated that this did not exist that we created a plugin for WordPress called My Speaking Page, and it is also for free. So the reason you don't hear these sponsored is that we're just giving it away, and it has spots for all of this section. It literally walks you through step-by-step creating a page on your website, a speaking page for event coordinator Connie with the high-res photos, the highlight reel that you, and it integrates with YouTube. You can embed videos. It has an audio player. It does all of it for you. Uh, myspeakingpage.com you can add that and um it's pretty cool i like it and it's free all right thomas it's time to talk about jessica oh jessica 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 you break my heart jessica (laughs) (laughs) journalist jessica she is working on an article she wants to mention your book or maybe she's considering bringing you on her radio show this is another visitor a lot of authors aren't thinking about but huge if you could get journalist jessica thrilled visiting your website you're going to find yourself booked for more media engagements which turns into more media engagements and can totally change the direction of your career so what is the number one thing that journalist jessica is looking for she wants to see you she wants a high resolution photo of you to put in the paper or her blog or and or a high resolution version of her book cover when i'm preparing a talk or working on a blog post, I can't tell you how hard it is to find a version of your book cover that's not a thumbnail. It's really shockingly difficult for a lot of books. And when I type in your book cover into Google and do an image search, it's all of these 300 pixel wide images. And I'm like, no, I want something that's a thousand pixels wide, 10,000 pixels wide. I, I want it as big as possible because as a journalist, and I dabble in journalism, I know how to shrink the image to the size that I want. You can always shrink an image. You can never grow an image because when you grow an image, it gets blurry. And print requires really high resolution uh, to work. And so both of your headshot and of your book cover, high resolution needs to exist somewhere on your website, perhaps on a media page, ideally. We talked about bios in episode 79. This is the time for the long bio. Journalist Jessica wants to see the long bio here. Right, because she knows to parse, and she's doing research on you, and, and as she's building that story, there may be points in the long bio that she can work into the story, or it'll lead her down various avenues, and she's not just going to read down your long bio. So on the speaking page, you want the short bio. On the media page, you want the long bio. Another thing you want to do is uh, provide links to previous media mentions. For example, if you've been in 40 newspapers and you've done 20 uh, TV shows and you've done 70 radio interviews, journalist Jessica is going to look at that and go, oh, they're a pro. They've got a lot of experience. If they've been in this many media outlets, then they must have something at least mildly interesting to say. 
Uh, the final thing is, uh, you know, think about we're create a media page if you're wanting to go after the media. We've thought about creating another free plugin for media pages, but there's not a lot of money in free plugins. <laughs> it's very expensive to make these these plugins, um, but it's not hard for you to create this yourself. And you can call it press kit or media kit and put it in the footer. You don't have to make a big deal about it. The um, journalists coming to your page will look for that. Okay. So, so Thomas, we, we have given uh, our friends the seven visitors, but I think we have a bonus visitor to yes. the website. Uh, there's okay. there's seven you need to thrill and one you need to not thrill. <laughs> and this, this final visitor is Tom the Troll. So, ah, the troll. You gotta love the trolls. So a troll is somebody who's on the internet who wants to pick a fight. Uh, they're typically obnoxious jerks. They're mean and uh, they are sad about themselves, and they take that out on you, the public figure. So our advice here is don't feed the trolls. <laughs> We've <laughs> talked about this in other episodes about how to deal with hate and negative comments um, and negative reviews. I have actually changed my position on this. I used to say comments are good, but now I've actually shifted. I'm not a big fan of blog comments anymore. I would prefer for that conversation to happen on Facebook. Uh, one, people are nicer, and two, if somebody's responding to my blog on Facebook, it brings their friends. And I had this as a personal experience. I wrote a blog post a couple of years ago and went crazy viral. million hits or million page views in, in a few weeks, and it had 1,400 comments, and a lot of the comments were nice, and a lot of the comments were really mean, and the mean comments really tore me down, but there was so many comments, there wasn't a meaningful conversation. But there was 200,000 comments on Facebook and shares and likes and things. Um, I don't know if there's a way to break those apart. And those were the far more meaningful comments when people were talking with their own friends about the blog post. That was what was changing behavior. And when there's three friends all talking about a blog post and they're having their own argument, the fourth friend is like, what blog post is this that everyone's talking about? And then they go and check it out. So you want to move that conversation to Facebook. One, it protects you from the trolls because people on Facebook are nicer because they have to use their real name. It protects you from spammers and spam on comments has been a big problem. And it promotes your blog post. So it's three wins. And the first guy to do this was Seth Godin like five years ago, turned off the comments on his blog. And he used to be like the number one blogger. And it was this huge deal. Then Copyblogger did it. And then Michael Hyatt, the king of comments. He had like moderators. He had this advanced comment system and like threaded comments and all of this. He finally was like, it's too much. I'm turning it off. And even Michael Hyatt, I believe, turned off the comments on his blog. And so the other benefit is that it, it uh, makes your blog look more popular because if you have post after post with zero comments or one comment, it makes it look like there's not much activity when in reality people prefer to talk on social media. So you may have zero comments, but 12 shares on Facebook. You want uh, visitors to notice the 12, not the zero. Exactly right. All right. So we're going to skip the sponsor uh, this week, partly because we've already talked about my book table and my speaking page and my book progress. Um, <laughs> all of those, there's a free version. So I guess we are doing the sponsor anyway. So if you want a progress bar, mybookprogress.com. If you want interactive book pages and bookstore pages with buttons that go to the different stores, mybooktable.com. And if you want a speaking page that walks you through it, and there's really nothing keeping you from using the speaking page for uh, the media kit as well, uh, myspeakingpage.com. 
And a reminder that we love reviews, even if they're negative reviews. Uh, so we'd love to have you do that. We can take Tell it. Us, we can take it. We can take it. Just because we know you're not a troll, and we and we love feedback. So um, all just you don't cuss. To, we won't read your right. cussing on the That's show. Right. This is a clean podcast. That's right. So if you go to iTunes, we'd love a review. Put your name and your book title in there. We'd love to promote you uh, when we read your review. You've been listening to James L. Rubart and Thomas Umstead Jr. on the Novel Marketing Podcast, giving you novel ideas on how to promote yourself and your writing offline, online, and everywhere in between.